Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're in Psalms chapter number 14. The Bible says very plainly, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. That's the fool's creed. He's blinded by worldliness. The fool is blinded by religion. No matter what it is, he says in his heart, it's a heart issue that there is no, no God. They are corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have done abominable works. And now watch what it says. There is none that doeth good. You know how many times I've heard I get a gospel track, so I'm good. You're not good. Bible plainly, plainly puts it. There is none that doeth good. And verse two says, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? God's looking down from heaven and he's looking for somebody that's good. And you know what he finds? People proclaiming their own goodness. It's a foolish, foolish thing. People proclaim their own goodness in many, many ways. And the Lord says in verse number three, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. He has to repeat what he said in verse number one. Again, in verse number three, it's filthy people trying to do good works. And it's filth before God. None of it's good. You say, I'm this religion. It's filthy before God. You say, I'm of this denomination. It's filthy before God. He said, there's none that doeth good. The problem is people want to proclaim their own goodness. People want to trust in their own confidence. People want to trust in their own conclusions and their own reasonings. And God says, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. Look at verse number four. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? As people are busy sinning, as people are busy doing iniquity, as people are busy doing all of that and proclaiming their own goodness, God's asked the question. Don't you have any knowledge of who I am? It's a sad day in America. When people get excited about a whole bunch of stuff, except God. Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. And that's all God wants us to do is to look up and call upon him. I asked you to turn to 2 Timothy 3. Let's go there now. 2 Timothy 3. It's harsh words from the Bible. Filthy is a harsh word. Second Timothy chapter number three, watch what it says in verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, speaking of Timothy, which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that a contrast? You see, God never gives you just the bad news. He never just gives you the negative. 
You've probably known some people like that. You've probably worked for some bosses like that. You've probably had some friends or some neighbors like that, or it's always negative. It's always doom and gloom. That's not the character of God. He gives you the bad news because you've got to know the bad news. Filthy works, abominable works, nobody does good. <laughs> well, thanks, God. But there's something that contrasts foolishness, and that's wisdom. And where does he say we can get wisdom? You ain't going to get it from me. <laughs> You're going to get it from what the Bible says. The holy, look at verse 15, scriptures. They can make you wise. Why? Because where salvation is, comes wisdom. And now people can know God in a real way. And it is through what? Faith, which is found where? In Christ Jesus. That's the only place that your faith must be placed. <laughs> it can't be placed in any other thing. It can't be placed in your good works or my good works. It can't be placed in your denomination or my denomination. It can't be it can't be placed in your reasoning or my reasoning. It can only be placed in one person. That's the person of Jesus Christ. All scripture verse 16 is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for recheck, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Now, isn't that something? Under what? All good works. Wait a minute. I thought we just read that God said all our works are abominable and filthy. Didn't we just read that? What's the difference? Foolishness versus wisdom. It's not good works for salvation. It's good works that'll be manifest after we, we are saved and put our faith in Christ Jesus. God's not against good works. He wants us to place them correctly and not put the cart before the horse. Turn over. Probably one page, maybe two in your Bible. And you come to the book of Titus into the second chapter. Watch what it says in verse number 11. Titus chapter two, verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, isn't that something? Is God a God of wrath? Yes. Does God look down and see filthy, abominable, good works? Yes. But we saw, we saw that he wants us to have good works after we're saved because they're for him, not for us. When they're for us, it allows us to do what? Proclaim our own goodness. Oh, I'm, I'm better than such and such. God hates that stuff. But God's grace for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that's how salvation is brought by God through his grace, hath appeared to all men. And watch what it teaches us, that denying ungodliness, that's a good thing to do, and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. You ever, you ever see somebody that just lives as a drunk? You don't want to live like that. 
God wants you to live soberly. That's a good thing. That's a good work. Righteously and godly where? In this present world. What are we looking for? That blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now watch this. This is the verse I wanted to get to. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people that are zealous of what? Good works. So are you saying your good works can save? No. What's God saying? He wrought something in you and I after he saved us. And that would be zealousness unto good works. God wants us to have. He wants us to be zealous for good works. Keep in mind. Well, turn it. Uh, let's look, look at verse number, uh, chapter number three. Watch it says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Isn't it an awful thing when someone says they're a Christian and as soon as their name comes up, their workmate or their neighbor or somebody that knows them say, oh, that guy's a Christian. He, he's not a gentleman. <laughs> he, he speaks evil about everybody. What type of testimony is that? It's a horrible testimony. Wouldn't you agree? God wants us to show all meekness unto all men, even if you don't like the person. Why? Look at verse 3. What does it tell you? For we ourselves also were sometimes, what's the first word that pops up? Foolish. And what do we read in Psalms chapter number 14, verse number 1? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And before you came to Christ, you know what you were? You know what I was? A fool. Because in our heart, we created a God in our own mind, in our own imagination, and that's what we worship. It's a foolish thing. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Well, there's a bunch of sins that everybody can probably pick one out. I mean, go ahead, look at the verse. <laughs> Just pick one. I didn't. I haven't done all of them. You've done one of them. You've done one of them. I've done a lot of them. I've done a lot of them. God looks down and says, you know what? You're sunk. But his grace appeared unto all men and taught me and taught you what? Verse two that we read. But he doesn't want us to forget where we came from in verse number three. And look at verse number four. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Verse number five, if you've done any type of public ministry, you know you've gone to this verse. Not, we have a sign, a scripture sign that someone can hold. If they're not good with speaking with people, just hold the sign. They can read it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know who Christ is? He's the Savior. You know how he saves? By his grace. He's the one that washes. He's the one that does the renewing. No preacher down south can do that for you. Well, I just grew up down south and I have southern hospitality. God looks down and says, those good works are filthy and abominable to me. He did a work for you. And it says in verse 7, last verse in this text, that being justified, that means you are proclaimed right in God's eyes. You're justified. By your works. No. By your religion. No. By your denomination. No. By Muhammad. No. By Buddha. No. By the Pope. No. By the Baptist preacher. No. By his grace should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you want to have eternal life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one way. It's by God's grace, through faith and what he did for you. Offer him nothing but empty hands, saying, Lord, here I am a sinner. I've got nothing to offer you, God. I want to stop being a fool and go to wisdom. You'll make me wise unto salvation. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. Isaiah 64 says, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There comes that word again, filthy. Now, you young people, I'm sure that you have done many chores around the house, whether you've liked it or not. Growing up, I was given many chores. You've cleaned the kitchen. You've mowed the grass. You've wiped down countertops. And you did all those good works that mommy and daddy asked you to do. You imagine that dirty rag that you use to clean up the bathrooms, clean up the sinks, clean up the floors. And you hold that up to God. God, you see my good works? God's going to say they're just filthy rags to me. Because all of your good works, all of your righteousnesses. Isaiah 64, is that what the Bible says? Are as filthy rags. They don't mean nothing. They, no, that's not proper English. They don't mean anything. Not before God. Not before God. Go to Isaiah 53. Beautiful chapter of scripture. Isaiah 53. Look at verse number three. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. You know who that's talking about, right? 
That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was bruised, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You've got iniquity. I've got iniquity. God sent his son to bear your grief. To bear my iniquity. The sins of the whole world. Verse 7. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. You know he could have. But he didn't. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You imagine a horrible, horrific crime that took place in your town. Many of you came from different towns, different states. Maryland, New Jersey, Kentucky, Georgia. Something will come to your mind of a horrific crime that should have never happened, but it did. And the death penalty was given to that person. And they don't do it now like they used to. You take the criminal down to the public square and you bring all the children and the families because they'll see that horrific crime brings a horrific consequence. And you can bring the crime rate down pretty quick. But that'll be for another time. But the death penalty is given to that criminal. Rightly show. So. What parent would say, you know what? I want to send my son to die in that criminal's place. That would be no parent. God did that for you. Because you and I are that criminal. And we deserve the death penalty. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in your place. And in my place, I'm not a criminal. You are. That's why we bring the good news of the gospel to this lost and dying world. That's why some men are going to try to go out tonight and give some gospel literature out to people. Because you don't know you're a criminal until you come face to face with God's word. And you see and read in Isaiah 53 that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for, here's the dirty word today, you can't say it, sin. You got to get one of these prosperity preachers to balance that out and tell you that, you know, every day is a Friday and it's not. Every day is a sin day for people. And they need to be reminded that they're sinners. God wants to pay your sin debt. He did pay your sin debt, but you got to come to him. You got to come to God on his terms, not your own terms. Romans 3. Look what it says in verse. Verse 
Number 10, God gives us another reminder as it is written. This is the New Testament reminder in both Testaments. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all going out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so people chime in and they say, well, I'm not that bad. The Bible says their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. From our throat to our tongue to our lips to our mouth, we can't even speak right. That's how abominable we are before God. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. And upon all them that believe. For there is no difference for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. What did the law do? It showed us all that we really weren't that good. Parents know this. Their kids start doing wrong and then you say, oh, look, by the way, that's wrong. And so the next time when they do it. If they're old enough, what do they know? They know because mom and dad gave that rule. They know that they've transgressed that rule. Think of how many times you've given yourself rules. <laughs> we've given ourselves laws and then we find out we can't even keep our own laws. We can't expect people to keep our own rules. Yet we think that we can keep all God's rules and we can present ourselves to God and say, you know, I'm kind of all right, God. It's not going to work that way. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. Watch it says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Only find it in Jesus Christ. Last verse in Romans three. Look what it says in verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith plus works. It's not what it says. That's how we read it. That's how lost people read it. Yeah, I know what that says, but what it really means is, no, it doesn't mean faith plus works. It means by faith, because it says at the end of the verse, without the deeds of the law. You know what a Jew wanted to say? Look, God, I was circumcised. As if God's impressed. We've been looking at that on Sundays. Why did the Jews get circumcised? Those males got circumcised as a Jewish pledge to their nation that they were separate and set apart by God. And that nation was different. And every male Jew that woke up in the morning 
went to the bathroom and he was reminded he was owned by God. <laughs> That's what that was for. It was a physical thing. It wasn't a spiritual thing. Romans 5, let's go there. Romans chapter number 5. Watch what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You won't have true peace any other way. It will not come from anything other than other, apart from the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. How are you going to get there? What's the access? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1. Wherein we stand, verse 2, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the really good people. Nope. Christ died for the ungodly. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Well, your best friend, maybe. You take a bullet for your buddy in the war. Yet for adventure for a good man, someone even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You wouldn't, if you're a military man, you would not take a bullet for the enemy. You might take a bullet from the enemy for your friend who's a good man. You might do that. But for your enemy, you will not take a bullet for, for, for him. All sinners are God's enemies. You know what God did? He took the bullet for all of us. Because we're all sinners. And that makes us all enemies of God. That's too hard to understand. It's not hard to understand. It's just that people don't want to understand. What do you say from? Look at verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through him. If you're saved from wrath. That would mean what's coming for people. Who don't put their faith and trust in Christ. Wrath. For if. Verse 10. When we were enemies. See that. It says when we were enemies. What does that make you and I. Before God. If you've not trusted him. That makes you his enemy. If you have trusted him, you've been reconciled to God. What does it say in the middle of verse 10? By the death of his son. Much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. You are saved from wrath. And you are saved from wrath. By him giving his life for you. And you and I being his enemy. Praise God. Praise God. Look at verse 12. Wherefore is by one man centered into the world and death by sin. That be Adam. So death passed upon all men for that all of sin. Why? Because we have Adam's blood. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And that's a great verse. That's an important verse. So if you haven't been paying attention, pay attention now. Little babies, little children. They die, where do they go? You can do as many good works as you want for them. It don't matter a hill of beans. 
It don't matter if you sprinkle them with water or don't sprinkle them with water. It don't matter if you baptize them or not baptize them. It don't matter if you bring them to church every Sunday and every midweek service and you put them in the little stroller and bring them to every outreach. That three or four year old dies. It don't matter what you do. God says he will not impute sin onto that innocent child. Now, we went through all this in the dispensations to talk about innocence. God's grace covers that child. Is he conceived in sin? Yes. But God will not impute sin to that child's account. He will cover it by his grace. Because that's the kind of God we have and that's the kind of God we serve. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. God said, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And that baby doesn't understand the law. That baby, that little child doesn't understand right from wrong. You have somebody that's mentally um, handicapped and doesn't have the ability to reason and think like you and I would. Um, by the way, if you're an adult and God's given you a brain that works, don't try to use that to go, well, God, I really didn't think my brain would. No. People that are honestly mentally handicapped, God's not going to hold that against them. He's not going to impute sin to their account. Praise God. Praise God for it. Now watch you see in verse number 15. But as the offense, so also is the free gift. Means you don't have to buy it. You try to offer good works, that means you're going to try to buy God off. For if through the offense of many, of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. And guess who that one man is? It's not mom, it's not mama. It's not my daddy was a preacher. It's not my granddaddy was a preacher. It's not the Baptist, anybody. It's not the denomination. It's not your church membership. Well, I never miss church. No, it's by one man. And it ain't you. And it ain't me. It's Jesus Christ. Is that what the verse says? Is that what the verse says? So we either change the Bible to fit what we already have decided in our mind to agree with. Or we just say, you know what, God? It is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Look what it says, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. That's Adam. And that's me, and that's you. Our one offense, you could say that. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I want to add this. I want to add that. You can add that, but it doesn't merit you and I anything. It's by one man, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. You're in Adam's line. I'm in Adam's line. God looked down and he condemned every single one of us. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men 
unto justification of life. God looked down, we're all condemned. He looked at his son, by one man, you can have eternal life. Everybody can. Now, isn't that wonderful? We're all on equal playing ground. People say, well, you just don't know how I, you know, the abuse I went through. You, don't, you just don't know the sin that I was so deep in. Sorry to hear that. And if we went around tonight, we could compare stories and, you know, one person would be deep in sin, other person won't be deep in sin. And then you talk to somebody else and they were deeper than you and this person. It don't matter. We've all sinned. God can take the worst of sinner and save them. Unless you don't think the blood of Jesus Christ can pay for all sin. Unless you just think he can pay for your sin because you think, well, I never really sinned as bad as that guy. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You know why God's law came in? So that you can see your offense, offense, your sin as abounding. But where sin abounded, you know what abounded much more? The Bible says grace, grace, grace. Last verse in this chapter. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Who's it by? Jesus Christ, our Lord. One Lord. That's it. First Corinthians one. Everybody okay? We're good on time. Kids are sitting up straight, taking notes, and can't ask for can't ask for more than that. You ready for the test afterward? First Corinthians one. First Corinthians chapter number one. Look at verse number seventeen. You know, many people I talk to, they say, well, I was baptized. You know, Jesus Christ is your savior. Are you on your way to heaven? You've been born again. They say, well, I was baptized. You'll hear that a lot down here because you can throw a rock and pretty much hit a church of Christ uh, outfit any about anywhere in Tennessee. You're born again. I've been baptized. Last time I looked, water makes you wet. Don't make you saved. <laughs> Get you wet. And you know what the Bible says, verse number 17, Paul says this on the Holy Spirit's inspiration. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He wasn't preaching getting water. He was preaching the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The power is in the gospel. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? That's the Jewish scholar. Where's he? Where's the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish? There's that word again. The wisdom of this world. For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Got a bunch of wise people that really aren't that wise. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that finish the, the, the finish the verse for me, church, to save them that believe. You must believe. 
In verse number 23, we preach Christ crucified. And that's it. And that's it. We've got nothing else to offer you except Jesus Christ. Why? Look at verse 29, and it'll tell you why. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And isn't that what this world's about? Who's got the biggest medal? Who's got the biggest trophy? Who's got the biggest certificate? Who's got the longest ribbon? Who's got more first places? I know people, they got a room dedicated in their house for all their awards. It's the boasting room. Look at all the accomplishments I've done. Not going to merit you anything before God. So what did 1 Corinthians 1, what do we say that the Bible tells us we're supposed to preach? The gospel, right? So the next logical question would be, well, what's the gospel? Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Bible says, in verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, oh, there it is, the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. So you know what the gospel does? It saves people. It's a saving gospel. If you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain, you don't want to do that. Now watch, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now here's the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Not according to what I say. If I say something outside of the scripture, who do you go with? You don't go with me, you go with the book, <laughs> the scripted word. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Um, it wouldn't be good news if it just said Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. That's the bad news. And the third uh, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That makes it good news. Why? Because he defeated death. He defeated death. All right, go to Mark sixteen. Mark 16. Well, I still think baptism is needed for salvation. Okay. Well, let's go to the verse that you want me to go to anyway, and we'll tackle that verse. Mark 16. Watch what it says. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and baptism to every creature. Does it say that? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Remember 1 Corinthians 1? Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. We looked at 1 Corinthians 15. We saw what the gospel is. And we ended up in Mark 16, and we see, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now watch what it says in the next verse. He that believeth. And is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not and is baptized not shall be damned. Except it doesn't say that either, does it? <laughs> but that's how many, many people read it. If you believed 
guess what you should do? Be baptized. But baptism won't save you. If you've believed and put your full faith in Christ, guess what you should do? Good works. Zealous of good works, all that stuff we talked about in the beginning. But guess what good works won't do? It won't save you. So when you look at verse number 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Watch where the damning comes in. But he that believeth not shall be damned. If you don't believe the gospel, that will damn your soul. Watch verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Who's the them? Is the them the us? Well, I'm learning Southern. Is the them the usins? No. Who's the them? The apostles. They were given in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Except you, I get you have to talk to some of the families in this church and been around here long enough to know that there's some places in Kentucky you can go and they're doing some weird things. Where did they get it? Where did they get snake handling? They got it from this verse. Except when the apostles were around living and walking the earth, you know what they could do? All those things. You know why they could do all those things? Because they didn't have this that they can open up. Yeah, turn to the book of Ephesians. What? They didn't have the book of Ephesians. How was what they were saying confirmed? By these sign miracle gifts. Oh man, that guy's handling a deadly snake, drinking a deadly thing. Man, that God gave those apostles sign miracles so that when people were around them, it would confirm to them this is from God. The apostles died off, those sign gifts died off. Now, what do we have? The Bible says a more sure word. Of prophecy. So don't try to handle a snake. A deadly snake that is. I know Josiah's got his little channel. How to handle animals. He catches them and all. But you have to show us how to do that without getting hurt. You know what religion says? Religion says faith is the starting point of the journey. And true biblical Christianity says faith and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, that's the starting and ending point. You must, you must believe. You must believe. Last verse, and then and then we'll try to wrap this thing up. Ephesians chapter number two. Galatians, Ephesians. Look at chapter number two. Two places and we're done. Ephesians two, but get John one as well. And then we'll, we'll bring this thing to a close. John chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number two. 
uh, Ephesians chapter 2, this is a great, great chapter. And it says in verse 1, and you hath he quickened. That means to make alive, to never die again. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. You look around. Dead men and dead women walking. Dead people. Spiritually. Where in the time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past. That's us. In the loss of our flesh. We did what our flesh told us to do, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. I can't believe that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Even as others. So as God's not going to just single you out or me out or you out or everybody's in the same boat child of wrath you've disobeyed god and you're dead now remember i told you god don't leave you just with bad news watch what it says in verse four but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ by grace ye are saved don't make a mockery of God's grace by trying to, trying to add your philosophy into it. Come to Christ. By grace, you're saved. And we're to verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't need to get into a church building. You don't need to get into a religion. You don't need to get into a denomination you need to get into christ you need to come to the cross get saved by grace and get in christ that's what that's our prayer for what we want people in this town to come to that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through christ jesus verse eight but for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works, lest any man should boast. There's the boasting room. When you give a gift to somebody, you got to admit, whether you agree with me on Christmas and the holidays or not, you got to admit, when December 25th comes around, you're giving gifts to people that you like. <laughs> Are you giving any gifts to your enemies? Yeah, the boss that fired me. Let's put him on the list. No, it's let's take him off. You're not giving that guy a gift. Your kids start misbehaving. You're like, oh, I'm sending this toy back. I was going to get him his train set and his hot rod. And his I you know, then they all open the gifts under the tree. Well, how come he got this? That? And you, what, you don't say what's in your mind, which is that's because you've been, been being bad. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying that because you know as well as I do, you only give gifts to people that you like. But that's not God. He gives gifts to his enemies. 
He gives gifts to us as fools. He gives gifts to us as abominable, filthy, unrighteous works. And God says, I want to freely bestow my grace upon you. Praise God. Nothing else offers you that. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Ah, uh, what does it say? Under what? Good works. That's where the good works come in. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I told you to turn to one last chapter. Only take me about 20 minutes to get through these two verses. <laughs> Look at verse 12. He came unto his own. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But you can't be born again. Watch what it says. Verse 13. Which were born not of blood. Your blood lineage. Your blood relatives. Are not going to do anything for you. You can run your daddy's line down south. All the way back. And they're all preachers. And it says. You are not going to become to God. You are not going to become the sons of God. By your bloodline. Nor of the will of the flesh. Your flesh just doing all the good works it can. Nor of the will of man. What does it say? The last verse. But of God. Only God can save you. And he came to reconcile his enemies. You and I. To himself. By offering a free gift. That must be received on his terms. You must repent from what you've been trusting in. Just fill in the blank, whatever it is, because it don't matter what it is. And put your full faith and trust in what Christ did. And by faith, say, God, I'm a sinner. Please save me from the wrath that is rightly owed me. It's by the will of God. Not your will, not mine. But God's will be done. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.